As Peter descended onto the surface of the water, for a moment he possessed a faith so firmly placed in Christ that he defied the very laws that govern our existence on this planet. A miraculous step by an imperfect man in a doubting world. When we push aside the cynicism, skepticism, and rampant apathy enveloping the world and instead offer a pure and imperfect faith in Christ, He can help us defy all that we know to be possible. I invite you to join us in our study today and encourage each of us to request divine understanding that the Spirit may teach us individually and specifically. Welcome to Come Follow Up. Some of my biggest fears, heights. I hate slash terrified of spiders and snakes, anything that's swirly and moves around the sidewalk, terrifying, the dark sometimes. I have always had a fear of heights and uh, stage fright. I have terrible stage fright. Honestly, my biggest fear overall is that I'm going to leave the world in a worse state than I left, than I came in. I want to make a positive impact, and the idea that I could be living in a way that's not um, is probably my biggest fear. Anything with change also scares me. So changing, moving, getting married, having that, I mean, we just had our first kid two years ago, but that was terrifying. So anytime there's a big change, I'm terrified. When I put my faith in Jesus Christ, I realized that His way is the better way because uh, through Him there is no fear. His, he's taking care of everything already. And his plan and his way is always going to be with peace and love and the better way to go. He knows the end from the beginning. Um, and where I have a very distinct vision for my life, he knows what's going to make me the happiest. And if I'm just willing to trust in him and his timing, um, I'm going to lead a much happier life. Life can be terrifying, scary, and Christ has been a huge part of getting me through that. When I feel like I can't go any further, when I feel like I just can't do it, I'm not capable of doing it, that's when I really have to rely on Heavenly Father, and that's what gets me through anything that just doesn't seem possible. Welcome, everybody. My name is Ben Lomu, and I am your host. Our Gospel Scholar for today is Dr. Gay Strathern. Dr. Strathern is an Associate Dean of Religious Education at BYU and has been a faculty member at the BYU Jerusalem Center. She has a PhD in religion with an emphasis on New Testament and Christian origins from Claremont Graduate University. She was born and raised in Redcliffe, Australia. Gay, welcome. Thank you. It's good to see you, Ben. And our special guest for today is Devin Graham. Devin is a filmmaker and YouTuber and creates epic content for global brands. His online persona is Devin Supertramp, but he's also known as a husband and father. Devin, so happy to have you here today. Thanks for having me. And we're also joined by our live studio audience. Thank you all for being here and joining us today. And to the viewers at home, thanks for joining us. Please join us for further discussion online through any of our social media platforms. Today, we've selected two topics to discuss that relate to passages found in Matthew chapter 14, Mark chapter 6, and John chapters 5 and 6. These topics and discussions support and build upon the Come Follow Me resource developed and published by The Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. The two topics we're going to discuss today are first, Jesus Christ invites me to set aside my fears and doubts and exercise faith in Him. And second, I can use my unique gifts to accomplish God's purposes. 
After exploring these two topics with our panel and studio audience, we'll move on to footnotes, which is the segment of the show where we let our studio audience go and we dive deeper into the scriptures with Gay and Devin. Okay, Gay, as we start off with our first topic, Jesus Christ invites me to set aside my fears and doubts and exercise faith in him. What do we need to know about these chapters and how they fit in? Gay, do you want to walk us through this account? Yeah. So um, Jesus is going to be up in the mountain. Um, he's trying to have some space for him to uh, pray. And so he kind of shoes off uh, the disciples and say, here, here's a boat. Off you go. Go over to the <laughs> other side. And, and they're happy to, to do that. But in the process of that, uh, one of these Galilean famous storms whips up. Now, you have to know... Um, the Sea of Galilee, geographically, is about um, 700 feet below sea level, right? Wow. And it's surrounded by mountains on most of its sides. So those, the, the winds come through, they come ripping down those, um, those uh, valleys or canyons. And so it's not unusual uh, for there to be some storms mm -hmm. on the Sea of Galilee. And that's one of the things happening. So here's Jesus wanting time to pray. And um, he's saying, oh, but the disciples need my help. And so he decides to come to the, to the disciples on the boat and he's walking along in the water and they're afraid because they think Jesus is a ghost coming. But Jesus reaches out to them and says, be of good cheer. It is I. Be not afraid. And then this is what I love about Peter, right? Peter answered and said unto him, Lord, if it be thou, bid me come unto the water. And Jesus kind of goes, okay, right? This isn't just Jesus asking him to come. Peter's the one who wants to do it, mm -hmm. right? He's the one who's initiating this. And I love that about Peter. As he comes out, uh, he begins to see the, the effects of these big boisterous winds and the effects that it's having on their waves. And he begins to sink, right? And it's in that context, uh, Verse 31, this beautiful verse. And behold, Jesus stretched forth his hand and caught him and said unto him, O thou of little faith, wherefore didst thou doubt? That, that's actually a, a theme in Matthew's uh, gospel about this, this, the disciples being of little faith. Mm -hmm. Devin, I'd love to hear some of your experiences. As you've gone on this path of pursuing uh, your career that you love, what were some of the moments that you experienced of fighting through the fear of looking at the waves and actually stepping out to water. How did you get to that point where you could overcome and keep going? With my career, I make videos for YouTube. So it's a little different than your normal nine to five. <laughs> and um, it's a lot of working with big companies. And one of the big companies that reached out to me was a big alcohol company. And it was like, we, we have this huge budget. And this is a time when I was like struggling financially. And like, we would love to hire you to do this big commercial. And for me, I'm like, well, that's not the, the standards that I have. I decided, okay, I'm just going to take that step of faith, and I'm going to do what I know is right, that I've been taught my whole life, and I turned that down. And it's like, it sounds so easy, but it's not so easy. Mm -hmm. But from that opportunity, so many other bigger opportunities have happened. Um, Disney hired us to do a big project. And one of the things was, have you ever worked with an alcoholic company? Because if you have, you can't do a project for us on this. So it's just cool, wow. like... By facing what you know is right, by doing that, other opportunities happen. And I've, I've seen that firsthand with my own life. 
Howard W. Hunter has a wonderful quote talking about the importance of, of keeping that gaze on Christ. He said, Peter sprang over the vessel's side and into the troubled waves. And while his eyes were fixed upon the Lord, the wind might toss his hair and the spray might drench his robes, but all was well. Only when with wavering faith, he removed his glance from the master to look at the furious waves and the black gulf beneath him, only then did he begin to sink. Uh, based off of that quote, what are some of the things that you do to keep focused on Christ and not be distracted by some of the waves or the dark gulf beneath you? Riley. Um, as silly as this may sound, it is 100% those primary answers. I have noticed in my life, it's incredibly easy for me to feel discouraged and distracted and easily uh, put off the path when I am not saying my prayers every morning, when I'm not saying my prayers every night, when I'm not having a prayer in my heart, um, when I'm not going to the temple. Those things are true salvation for me. They keep me on the path because otherwise I, I would be incredibly lost. And Riley, what is the role of the Holy Ghost in, in your life when it comes to remembering and following through to do those small little things? So I actually uh, felt like one of the spiritual gifts I received later in life was I was able to look back and see how Heavenly Father had His hand in my life every step of the way. My life got really, really hard. Excuse me. And it reminded me of that quote that Peter said, Lord, save me. And that's how I felt. It was crying out for that hope and knowing that I was getting that constant comfort. And months later, after I went through this horrible experience and this hard time, I was able to see that Heavenly Father was with me every step of the way, and the Holy Ghost was present in my life and keeping people in my life to keep me safe and protected. Thanks for sharing that yep. with us, Riley, and for, for being so willing to, to open yourself up. Gabe, these, these fears that we, we talk about the waves that come crashing in, you know, how am I going to provide for my family? Am I ever going to get another job if I turn this one down? What are some of the things that we can learn from Peter? Uh, removing his gaze from what really mattered uh, on the Savior and giving in to those fears momentarily? You know, I've thought a lot about this over the years because um, he does, in some way, he loses sight mm -hmm. of Christ, right? So I'm not sure that the text tells us whether that's because he was looking and chose to look that way um, because he saw the waves. Whatever that was, he knew that the Saviour was there. Um, and, and so he reaches out and he has this, this wonderful phrase where he says, um, he cries out saying, Lord, save me. So it's, it's a faith here mm -hmm. that's, that's coming on. Um, but he's, the language he uses here is really interesting because he's not saying, Rabbi, save me or teacher, save me. He's using this word, Lord, which in the New Testament often has a reference to God, right? So he's seeing Jesus as God. And when he says, save me, this word here is, it can mean save me from physical danger, but it also has this idea of saving me from transcendental danger, uh, salvation, those kinds of things. It's the same word. And so Matthew here is kind of giving us this sense of, yes, there's a physical danger that's being, but there's a spiritual danger that all of us experience at some times, whether it's because we've got distracted or whether it's because the world and mortal life has blocked us from seeing the Savior. Somehow we've got to 
cry out to him um, so that he can bring us the salvation, the safety that we need. Uh, it's a real thing, you know, to, to go through some of these, these trials that we see Peter. He's on the water. Those, those waves, it, it can be so real at times as they crash in. We had a question come in from one of our viewers, and I'd love to get some of your thoughts on how we can help answer this question. My name is Lily Bradford, and I live in Colorado Springs, Colorado. My question is, what can I do to improve my faith when I find myself doubting my Heavenly Father? Okay, we're going to start with Devin. Oh, the pressure's on. Yeah, how can we have Lily answer this question? Yeah, and I'm instantly thinking of like that age too, because even like, the older you get, like I feel doubt always comes in and goes. It's, it's kind of like a little wave. And it's like the whole thing with, with Alma 32 in the Book of Mormon, mm -hmm. where if your faith is lacking, your faith is struggling, it's about taking that, that seed of faith, the little thing you have, and planting it and, and keep on doing what you know is right and see what happens from that. Mm -hmm. And I know for me, like, there's a lot of times where I question certain things with the church and I'm like, okay, I'm gonna live this principle that was just taught. Oh, I do feel peace. My marriage is great. Like, okay, there's something here. So just by continuing to live the gospel, I think you can see firsthand um, that, that it is true and that there's definitely something very special about that. I think part of it is that we've got to recognize um, the times when God is in our life. And sometimes it's easy to say, oh, well, that's just a coincidence. And so we, we miss many of the opportunities where God is reaching out to us mm -hmm. with his hand. Um, and so uh, I like how we've been counseled to re record our spiritual experiences so that we can remember. How often do we see that in the Book of Mormon? Remember, remember, remember. I'm hitting 60 <laughs> this year and my remembrance isn't very good anymore at all. Um, so how am I going to have it so that I can look back and remember those really, really small, sometimes others might see them as inconsequential, but had such a profound effect on me at that point in my life and acted as stepping stones for my, my growing faith. Um, I, I still have questions but I hold on to those moments in my life where I have felt powerfully the Spirit of God. And I hang on to them in those times when I'm in that valley and mm -hmm. I can't really maybe see Christ through the waves and the troubles of life, but I have those memories and I have to hang on to them dearly. I think that's one of the reasons why uh, the sacrament each week asks us to remember so that we have those constant uh, reminders. Devin, as you've pursued this career, uh, what, what's some of the biggest fears that you've had to overcome, uh, exercise faith to overcome, and what are some of the blessings that you've seen from it? Yeah, I have a very worldly job. I'm working with all these different people with a lot of different standards. So it's like wherever I go, I have to make sure that I'm still keeping the standards of the church, yeah. even if no one is watching me. I had this amazing opportunity to go to New Zealand. One of the wealthiest people in New Zealand flew me out there. And I had the girl Isaiah at the time, I brought her with me. And then I was like, I wanna make sure we stay in separate rooms so there's no funny business. <laughs> and at the end, he was like, Devin, I noticed something different about you from everyone else. And he's like, you guys didn't swear. You guys weren't drinking and smoking. You guys, um, you guys stayed in separate rooms. Like that's all very different. And I'm not used to that. And he's like, that's exactly what I want my kids to have. Wow. He noticed that because I was living the standards, what I knew was true, 
it had an effect on him and he wanted to know what made us different. So firsthand, like living the gospel, I got to see the blessings from it. That's great. Thank you so much for sharing those experiences. And Gay, uh, thank you as well as we talk about this first topic of exercising faith, overcoming our fears, uh, and the growth that comes from that. And for the audience, thank you so much for sharing your experiences with us as well. And for you at home, what helps you put aside your fears and doubts as you strive to exercise faith in Christ? Share with us on Facebook and Instagram. One talent or gift, I guess, that I feel like I've received that feels pretty unique is I feel like spiritually I was given the gift of being able to see Heavenly Father's hand in my life after going through trials. Um, And I feel like that's really blessed me to be able to go through trials with grace and understand that there will be an end and that I can help others to help them understand that even though it might feel awful and hard right now, you're going to come out of it and you're going to become better for it. There's going to be something that you will have learned that will make you a better person. A unique talent that I found later on in life is that I am a teacher. I graduated as a, as a civil environmental engineer, did structural engineer for seven years, and now I teach third grade. And I absolutely love it. I do have a gift of being able to fix things and, and build things with my hands. I work really well uh, with my hands. But more recently, I feel like I've found a new talent in just uh, being able to speak and talk through uh, difficult times and difficult situations and, and lead people through, through difficult times. A gift or talent that I'm trying to develop is patience. I need to be more patient. Honestly, the one talent I truly wish I had was patience. That is my biggest <laughs> fallback. I teach very young kids and just every single day I'm praying for that. Please just like, let me be patient. So that's, that would be it. Our second topic for today is I can use my unique gifts to accomplish God's purposes. Gay, what can we uh, learn from you about the scriptures in relation to this next topic? Okay, well, the focus here is going to be the feeding of the 5,000. This is an important story because it's one of the very few that are found in all four of the gospels. The initial thing was that Jesus is doing miracles for them, right? He's spending the day doing the miracles. But at the end of the day, um, they're out in the wilderness. There's not place to go. And so knowing that they're going to be hungry, uh, Jesus is going to do something that he would not do for himself. Remember in the temptations, he had been fasting for 40 days and 40 nights. And Satan comes and he tempts him and saying, here's bread, turn this stone into bread. And he says, yeah, no, I'm not going to do that. So he's not going to use that power for himself but he has absolutely no problem using that power to bless the lives of this 5,000 in verse 19. And he commanded the multitude to sit down on the grass um, and he takes the fishes, he blessed it, he break it and he gave. That sacramental language, right? Um, And the fact that it's fish and um, uh, bread instead of we have water and bread doesn't make the early Christians. This was part of their sacramental emblems. And this is the normal food for a Palestinian diet, a Galilean diet in that time. We have five loaves and two fishes. And from that, he's able to just magnify the, this amount of food to feed the people. How has the Lord magnified some of your gifts and your talents? I grew up extremely shy. My teachers thought I was a mute. Like, that's how shy I was. And just, like, terrified to speaking to anybody. So I was really just this terrified of everything. 
And then I had the opportunity to go on a mission, and I had the opportunity to go to Jamaica. Terrifying. <laughs> Jamaicans are very like, if you don't speak instantly, they think that you do not like them. It was months of literally on my knees praying, Heavenly Father, I need your help. Um, and I was like, I didn't think that I could ever have the courage to really speak and talk about the gospel. And then after that two years, looking from beginning to end, I was like, wow, Heavenly Father was with me and he made that weakness a strength. And then two years later, I, I go and I, I go back to my, where I speak at the church saying, hey, I just served my mission. And as I was up there speaking, one of the professors was out in the audience. He came up to me and said, Devin, this is like on the spot. We wanna give you a full ride scholarship for public speaking. Heavenly Father was 100% aware of me, and I've seen it firsthand in my life. Can I just add a quote there? Because it just made me think of it. This was uh, <laughs> President uh, James E. Faust a number of years ago. He said, it has been said that this church does not necessarily attract great people, but often makes ordinary people great. Many nameless people with gifts only to five loaves and two small fishes magnify their callings and serve without attention or recognition feeding literally thousands. A major reason this church has grown to its current strength is the faithfulness and devotion of millions who have only five loaves and two small fishes to offer in the service of the Lord. I think that's what, that's what you're talking about. You, yeah, you're it kind of makes me want to cry. Uh, <laughs> I know that's a powerful thing because that's what's happening. Yeah. Yeah. Takes very, very imperfect people like us, but magnifies us in ways that we can be an instrument in his hands to help build the kingdom of God here on earth. I think one of the things I've realized, everyone has a different talent, a very unique talent to who you are. We don't mm -hmm. necessarily know what those talents are, but as we exercise faith and try mm -hmm. different things, we start to figure it out a little bit better. Oh, I'm actually okay at this. Mm -hmm. Oh, I can become much better. And like, you don't realize that your talents are going tenfold until like 10 years later, you look back and like, holy cow, like I had no idea all that amazing stuff was happening. You know, what's really neat is here we have, you know, Devin Supertramp, who is literally millions of people have seen his, his content on YouTube. Yet when we talk about magnifying talents, he reverts back to his mission and sharing the gospel. Like, I, I love that that's the first thing that comes to your mind is overcoming that in a gospel sense. And it wasn't, oh yeah, I use my gift and talents to, to create all this content. You, you brought a little bit of desire and faith and look what the Lord is able to do with it. I'd love to hear some thoughts from the audience on how the Lord has magnified some of your efforts. Patrice. I guess um, the Lord has magnified my efforts or my gifts by just simply helping me on my job. It's a simple job. You answer the phone, you get people, you just never know who you're going to get. But God has used me to speak or minister to them. I'm able to help people who are upset or angry or desperate or need something done. And I'm able to speak a word of just encouragement mm -hmm. and love. They hear me and they just become calm. And people have said to me, gosh, I'm so glad I called. You know, I was really upset and I'm okay now. And Patrice, uh, how do you feel the Holy Ghost helps you not only uh, know what to say, but also the person to whom you're speaking how does it help them to feel of what you're saying and, and kind of calm them down and so you can have a, a really good conversation? Just the fact of reassuring them and letting them know, hey, I'm here for you. I'm, my, I'm trying to assist you and help you um, continue and I will do my best to, you know, get to, to what you need or what you are trying to accomplish, you know, and it clicks. 
And I just thank God for that. Hey, I need I need to get in contact with Patrice because I can feel that just <laughs> as she's talking. It's like, I need that. You can just feel that comfort and that calmness coming through as you're talking to yes. us. I have another quote that I want to share that goes along with what we're talking about from Michelle Craig. Uh, as she talks about how, um, you know, with similarly what we can do with, with what we give. She says, you and I can give what we have to Christ and he will multiply our efforts. What you have to offer is more than enough, even with your human frailties and weaknesses, if you rely on the grace of God. Now, Devin, we talked about your, your missionary efforts and how the Lord is able to magnify that. You have a very unique career that uh, allows you to, uh, to use your gifts and your talents in a very special way. Um, how do you feel the Lord has blessed you in, in those efforts, you know, from, um, from the standpoint of focusing on your career and building content, how has he given you the gifts and magnified uh, your strengths to further his work? I've always wanted to make movies. I was always really shy and always wanted to make movies. <laughs> and um, I was able to overcome both of those where I can do what I love to do and I can work with the people I love to work with and tell the big stories that I've kind of always uh, dreamed of working. And I found that as I live my standards, more and more opportunities happen from doing that. Um, I had one example, like I was doing a big video with the NFL and they gave me full access to feature all the NFL cheerleaders. So it was me in the NFL stadium, they all came out and it wasn't the most modest outfits, even for cheerleaders. <laughs> and they were like, sex is what sells with this industry. We want you to feature. And there was roughly about 60 beautiful women right in front of me and they said, they need to be the focus of the video. And this was going on my channel. And I think to myself, this is terrifying because I, I, we, I can't film this. Everyone here is very beautiful, but we want this video to hit the world. And in order to do that, modesty is a big thing, not just for me, but for the rest of the world. So we're gonna have everyone change, come back out, wow. and we, we want everyone to see your faces. And they're like, okay, we can do that. I'm constantly thrown in situations like that, but it does get easier and easier. Mm -hmm. I think it's important that we understand that to be spreading and sharing goodness, it's not always church related. Yeah. There's a wonderful quote from Randall Ridd. He said, the divine purpose of technology is to hasten the work of salvation. The Lord expects you to use these great tools to take his work to the next level, to share the gospel in ways that are beyond my generation's wildest imagination. Where generations past influenced their neighbors in their town, you have the power through the internet and social media to reach beyond borders and influence the whole world. What do you have to say about this quote? Yeah, when I started, it was just trying to do cool things. Um, it wasn't like, oh, I'm gonna share the gospel with the world. It's like, mm -hmm. I just wanna do cool things, like going to college, hang out with my friends, let's film and capture it. But then I started getting emails from people all around the world. Um, one of them that I just like think of instantly is a guy from Morocco, and he's like, Devin, I decided to end my life. Then your channel popped up in my mind, I went back onto YouTube and I started watching through your videos and I realized I was gonna be missing out on all these amazing things that life had to offer. Because of your videos, I'm alive today. And it's just like, holy cow, someone on the other side of the world is watching and not only are they watching it, but they're affected. And it's not by me being preachy of saying, hey, this is the gospel of Jesus Christ, read the Bible, the scriptures. By living your standards, someone else has seen it and that person can make all the difference. And it doesn't matter if you have 6 million followers or 
five followers. Like I even think of my, my sister who's like a stay-at-home mom and I see the things that she's posting. I'm like, I'm inspired by my sister. Thanks, Devin. Gabe, what are some of your thoughts as we talk about using those gifts we have, you know, on an everyday level as opposed to always, you know, giving a talk or writing a book? How can we use those gifts to further the work in normal and natural ways? Well, I think that uh, the Savior said um, that we should hide our light under a bushel, mm -hmm. that we should let it be seen. Um, and so I think Devon has shown some great opportunities and great ways that he's been able to do that. But I think all of us have opportunities, whether we're in the bus or whether we're in the supermarket. Um, can we be kind to each other? Um, can we be kind to each other on the road? Uh, or is road rage the way we live? Um, can we be kind on the internet when people don't agree with us and see things differently? Because it seems to me that if the covenant of Abraham, Isaac and Jacob is meant to um, help all the nations of the earth, how can we do that if we're not kind? and loving to people who are different. We've got to find a way to be able to do that. Now, this has been wonderful to, to see the unique gifts and talents from, from a scholar, from a filmmaker, and how both together can all be used to further the work of the Lord. Thank you both for sharing with us uh, today and for the audience, you've been wonderful. Thanks for sharing your experiences uh, with us as well. And for those at home, we still have much to cover from these passages in Matthew, Mark, and John with Gay and Devin and footnotes coming up next. I think one of the biggest ways the Spirit communicates with me is through music and small feelings and thoughts. The Spirit communicates to me in different ways. One of those ways is just helping me feel peace. When I'm taking on something that's scary, when I'm taking on something that's terrifying, it's just feeling that peace and knowing that everything is going to be okay. I had to learn very early on that I wasn't going to have every prompting be a burning bush. Um, and I had to realize that a lot of my quiet, positive thoughts can be from the Lord. And even if they're not, if it's a good thought, why would I not want to go with it? So that's what I've had to kind of learn in my life. I feel like one of the ways that the Spirit communicates with me is through music. And I love especially the hymns that I think, especially during sacrament, that as I ponder the messages and the thoughts of the sacrament and of the week, they always encapsulate my feelings. And, and then it whispers to my heart, these things are true. This is what you need to work on. This is how you can improve. This is how much Heavenly Father loves you. Welcome to Come Follow Up Footnotes. We've dismissed our studio audience and are looking forward to building upon our previous discussions about Matthew chapter 14, Mark chapter 6, and John chapters 5 and 6 with Gay and Devin. Okay, before we get started, I've, I've got I've to ask you, Devin, I love that you're wearing a hat. You got to give us a little bit of a history behind, it's kind of become your signature. Give us a little bit of history behind your it hat. It is, yes. So 10 years ago when I started making videos on social media, I had a backwards hat. So the audience always expected this. So then if I didn't wear it, everyone was like, why aren't you wearing a hat? Okay. So it's kind of been my token as far as what people expect when they yeah. see me on camera, even off camera, this is what I'm wearing, so. And uh, you were showing us a picture even when you got, a fun wedding picture of yeah, you yeah, wearing yeah. your hat. So yeah, even on my wedding day, I didn't get married with my hat on it, but afterwards, like all the wedding photos, it's me wearing my hat 
with my wife. So it's, it's just that kind of my token signature now. That's great. I, I love it. I'm glad to let you wear it today. I'm hoping that maybe it'll spill over. Maybe Hopefully a couple episodes episode. I can work with it. <laughs> Okay, well, uh, let's jump right back into this. There's a lot that we discussed and a lot I still want to talk about. Um, I want to revisit, if we can, uh, Gay, and kind of get some of your um, thoughts on the feeding of the 5,000, maybe some things that we can dive a little deeper into. Okay. Um, well, as we mentioned earlier, the uh, feeding of the 5,000 is one of the few that we have in all four Gospels. And uh, John has um, some really unique and I think very powerful stuff that he adds to it. So if we turn to John 6, um, the first part of the chapter, he's just giving his version of the, um, the feeding, the miracle. Um, and then the people, they're so impressed with this, according to John, that they want to take him by force and force him into being the king when he's not really interested <laughs> in that yet. His time has not yet come. And so he departs and leaves. And uh, then the multitudes, the next day, they're looking for him. Where is he? Where's he gone? I think they want more free food, right? Mm -hmm. um, and I don't think that that's a bad thing because these people lived subsistently, right? They, they worked one day so that they could have food the next day. So the fact that Jesus fed them meant that they had a little bit of time, right? And I think that that was important to them. So the next day they find out where Jesus and his disciples are um, and they come to, and then verse 26, Jesus answered and said, Verily, verily, I say unto you, you seek me, not because you saw the miracles, but because you did eat the loaves and were filled. And then this becomes the, the introduction to um, a dialogue that John enters into with um, his audience. He does that throughout John's gospel. And, and the purpose of his dialogues, whether it be Nicodemus or the woman at the well or his mother at the, the, the turning water into wine, is that he's trying to get them to use the dialogue to raise their sights and to get a, an eternal perspective rather than just an earthly perspective. And that's certainly what he's doing here, right? The people don't understand. They're thinking free food. Mm -hmm. And he's saying, no, no, there's something more than this. Um, he's going to talk to them about Moses. And, and verse 30, they're going to say, what sign showest thou? Um, and, and, uh, you know, there's some irony there, right? He just shown them a sign yesterday with the feeding. Um, and Jesus wants to teach them that, uh, cause they say to him, our fathers did eat manna in the desert. In other words, uh, our fathers got food for 40 years. You've done one day. Okay. There's, there should be an ex extension of that. And so he goes on and talks about him being the bread of life. Uh, really, really powerfully. But what I want to look at, though, is verses 51 through 56 in particular. In John's Gospel, chapter 6 is one of the sacramental chapters. So in John's Gospel, there's no Last Supper where he institutes, breaks the bread and um, drinks the wine. This is where that's taking place. And the, the parts that I want to look at, are um, they're a little bit different than what members of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints are usually thinking about when they think of sacrament. So can I pick on you, Devin? Yeah. I am the living bread which came down from heaven. If any man eat of this bread, he shall live forever. And the bread that I will give is my flesh, which I will give for the life of the world. Okay. So what we've got here is they wanted bread that would survive them for another day, right? But this bread 
if he eats it will live forever. So that's changing the word. We're not just talking about living a mortal life. We're talking about an eternal life, right? Um, and he's using about uh, the bread I will give him is my flesh. Notice it's not saying this is in remembrance of my flesh, but this is my flesh. Keep going. Verse 52, the Jews therefore strove among themselves saying, how can this man give us his flesh to eat? Okay, so that's part of the dialogue where the earthly people just don't understand. They're thinking quite literally. Yes. Okay. Yep. Keep going. Then Jesus said unto them, Verily, verily, I say unto you, except ye eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink his blood, ye have no life in you. Whoso eateth my flesh and drinketh my blood hath eternal life, and I will raise him up at the last day. For my flesh is meat indeed, and my blood is drink indeed. He that eateth my flesh and drinketh my blood dwelleth in me and I in him. Okay, thank you. All right, that last verse is, is really important in John's gospel. So you see what he's, he's saying here? This, these verses have changed the way forever that I think about and partake of the sacrament each Sunday. Because what he's saying here is that if you're eating my flesh, then you're eating divinity because he's divine, right? I'm ingesting, I'm taking in, making it a part of me, some divinity. And that's one thing to say that I am a child of God. But here's an opportunity for me to become divine, whether it be his flesh or his blood. That's what's giving me life, not mortal life, but eternal life, right? And so I'm thinking about that. And so what am I doing when I'm partaking of the sacrament each week? I'm sitting there and I am trying to be like Jesus, not just in terms of the primary song, but on a much higher level, right? I'm trying to become as he is. I'm trying to become divine. And that's, that's fairly unique to Latter-day Saints and this idea. But that's what the sacrament is doing for me. Is it about remembering covenants? Absolutely. Mm -hmm. But remembering covenants for what purpose, right? So that each week I can stop and think, God wants me to be as he is. Yeah. And because of his sacrifice, that affects me in not just a symbolic way, but I think in a very real, tangible, spiritual way. I love that. I like how you said, we, we think about, I'm trying to be like Jesus as in his mortality, in his ministry. It really changes that idea. I'm trying to be like Jesus as becoming a God, becoming, you know, as the father wants us all to become. Yeah, That's yeah. really, really profound. Yeah. When you think about the significance of it, it, it really takes on a whole new meaning. Yeah. So John's gospel is known for its what's called its Christology, which means it is really emphasizing the divinity. It starts off in the very beginning. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God, right? He didn't need to come to mortality to be God. He was always God. And so that's kind of the driving force through it. So how did they respond to that? Um, over in, at the end of the chapter, these verses also give me pause. Um, from that time, Many of his disciples went back and walked no more with him. Hello? Mm -hmm. Right? This supernal discourse. And they say, yeah, that's not yeah, for I'm me. Done. Why? Because I came to get free food, yeah. not to be taught eternally. And, and, and then this next verse, then said Jesus unto the 12, 
Will you also go away? Are you going to leave me as well? Um, that for me gives me a, a window into the Saviour in terms of he knows what rejection is, and I think it hurts, right? And then bless Peter's, bless Peter, as he steps up again. This is one of those early him beginning to uh, step up to the plate. And Simon Peter said, Lord, to whom shall we go? Thou hast the words of eternal life, and we believe and are sure that thou art the Christ the son of the living God. I love this chapter. <laughs> I love this chapter. And it all comes from stemming from that feeding of the 5,000. The master teacher is taking that and he's taking it to the next level. We have to constantly check ourselves and, and really ask ourselves, um, what is the purpose? Why am I really here? Am I here to become like the savior You know, in, in the long run? And, and I love, love, love this response, you know, of wh where else are you going to go? You know, to, to take, a second, take a step back and think there's so much goodness. And, and sometimes my heart needs to change to be able to really, really see that goodness and, and recognize I'm, I'm in this for the long haul. You know, I'm not, I'm not going anywhere. You know, you're giving us eternal life. Where else are we going to find this? And Peter gets the message of the teaching. Yeah. He gets it. That's really neat. From what we've talked about, uh, Devin, were there anything from, as we talked about, the feeding of 5,000 or uh, Peter, the story of walking on the water, anything that stands out to you that uh, we can explore a little bit? Last night, me and my wife were going through all these chapters just to make sure I really understood. And, and the question is, like, I've heard this story with Peter walking on the water so many times. It's like, what is something new I can get out of these scriptures, these chapters, that is a new insight? Yeah. Um, so the thing that stood out to us, and it was kind of like a simple thing of more like, what does that really mean? And then we just kind of deep dived into it. But Matthew <laughs> chapter 14, verse 25. And in the fourth watch of the night, Jesus went unto them walking on the sea. And we started diving into, okay, well, what does the fourth watch mean? And then we found out that the fourth watch in that time period is between 3 a.m. and 6 a.m. So it's essentially, it's the last watch when everything's kind of done. And then like literally the end of the night, mm -hmm. that's when Jesus came to help these people. And then we started researching it even more and started finding all these talks from apostles and prophets talking about how Jesus Christ, he is the God of the fourth watch, where that is usually when he comes in and all his glory and, and all his help is at that fourth watch. And it was like, well, why is that? Like, what is the lesson there? And it was like, thinking through my own life is like the times where I felt so discouraged, if it just came right away, you wouldn't learn anything. And I'm seeing this firsthand with my two-year-old son. And it was like, if I just gave him instantly what he wanted, mm -hmm. he's not gonna grow. But if I see him really trying something for a long time, then, okay, he's done everything he can. I'm gonna step in now yeah. and help him with that. So I'm seeing that now from God's perspective is like, I'm doing everything I can. And then that's when Jesus Christ is going to come in on the fourth watch. And like seeing it here as like, wow, that, that really is true. It's like knowing that like you feel discouraged, that's okay. It's all part of the growing process. Obviously, it's much harder when you're like in the water <laughs> drowning, but he's always there and he's going to help, especially when you need it the most. Yeah. And it takes a lot of faith to hang on to that fourth watch. Again, what, what sort of insights can you uh, help us understand about the significance of the Savior coming in the fourth watch? Well, I think um, you've, you've hit the nail on the head, right? I think about, um, I know in my life, I would much prefer him come in the first watch. <laughs> uh, absolutely, I would. But he, he does, he, 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 that's why enduring to the end is important. That's why we don't walk away 
the first sign when things get get difficult, right? We've got to hang in there because he sees the eternal perspective in ways that we don't. You know, uh, Joseph Smith is a perfect example of everything he went through, you know, um, and how it was at the very, you know, he suffered so many things. And then at that moment of, I don't want to say he was about to give up, but when he had exhausted, you know, it feels like he had exhausted so much is when, you know, finally, finally that, um, that hope where he really felt, okay, I'm, I, I can get through this. You know, that realization that you've suffered a lot and I'm going to help you through this, but don't forget that somebody has suffered more as we turn back our focus to, to the Savior and what he's trying to teach his apostles and he himself you know, who suffered so much. Um, and even at the last moment, he had to feel that absence uh, of help so he can truly understand when we are in, 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 in those moments of, of despair, when we're, we're lacking any hope that he can succor and, and come to us and offer that hope that only he can, can provide. And my testimony is the strongest. It's not because of the first watch. It's because I've gone through, I prayed, I pleaded with Heavenly Father for years, not seeing the results I wanted. But by the end, I'm so much better than if I were to get everything right away. Yeah. Like I wouldn't have the testimony I have now if it wasn't for that fourth watch. What are some things that we can learn from Peter crying out as he was you know, sinking, crying out for help to the right source in those times of need? Yeah, well, this is an image that we find all over the place in Isaiah, right? My hand is outstretched still. Mm -hmm. Sometimes that's used, my hand is outstretched still because there's going to be some punishment. Right. But sometimes <laughs> it's there because I'm there to, to reach out and to lift you up. Um, in the ancient world, one of the, um, the images that I like a lot is that you see a veil and there's a hand coming through the veil. Mm -hmm. and, and I think Paul is talking about that in Philippians. When Paul is talking about his trials and um, uh, what's his ex experience since his conversion to the church. Brethren, I count not myself to have apprehended. Now, that word here in, is, is one way of translating, but he says, I haven't been grasped yet. Um, uh, he's been through a lot of trials, but he hasn't been grasped yet. And I immediately think of that, that image, yeah. right? That God is reaching through the veil with his hand outstretched. And that's all you see. But if, you, if, if I'm holding out my hand to you, Devin, what, what is your natural reaction to want to do? You want to grab, grab it, it, right? And you grab it because then God can pull you um, into his presence and to be with him. Yeah. And so that, that, that handshake is very important here for for Paul here, I have not yet been grasped, but that's what I'm waiting for. Um, and so when Peter's here and Jesus is reaching out to grasp him, Peter's still going to need to reach up and grasp him so that the Savior can pull him unto him. And uh, so there's some really wonderful imagery um, in that, I think. There's a part in here that one of my favorite parts of, of this account, as we talk about uh, Jesus and, and and going to meet his disciples. It happens before, and we touched on this a little bit earlier with finding out about the death of John. So I was reading in um, verse 23, and uh, this is, you know, he's he's fed the 5,000, and 
he really hasn't had any time for himself. And verse 23, and when he had sent the multitude away, he went up into a mountain apart to pray. I, I thought it'd be neat to just kind of hear from you all. And, and what are, where are your, those moments, where's your mountain that you go to, to be alone, to kind of recharge spiritually? Yeah, we film a lot of projects out of the middle of nowhere. And when we wrap our projects, it's all this commotion and chaos, like working. Yeah. And then everyone goes and then it's just me and nature and God. And I'll usually just sit there like by myself, <laughs> this like beautiful area. And for me, those are like my moments I feel I get like one-on-one -on -one with God. Okay. So I, I feel for me, that's like a, it's a really powerful moment that I've had throughout my life, throughout my career, um, just being out in nature once all the commotion settles for a minute. Is there a specific uh, moment or lesson that you can recall from the, one of yeah. those moments? We were in Hawaii, and, and to me, I mean, we're in God's land right there. <laughs> and, <Amen>. yeah. <laughs> but we, we finished filming the same thing, and it was just this incredible valley um, called Kualoa. And I just sat in the valley, and everyone left, and it was just like, you hear the light crickets, um, the lighting was perfect, and it was just pure peace. And I, I just remember sitting there, like on the log, feeling like this right here is proof that God exists. Wow. And I just remember feeling like how real that was. And it was like this, like anyone that doubts, just sit right here and see <laughs> what I'm seeing. When it was just wow. me sitting in this massive valley by myself, hmm. just me and, and God and, and proof in every direction um, that God was there. That's a cool experience. Thanks for sharing that. Gabe, how about from you? Um. Well, I live alone, right? So I can be pretty uh, peaceful <laughs> at my house as long as I turn the TV off and all of those things. But for me, when I have those moments, I mean, there are times when they're in beautiful places, but a lot of times it's um, it's late at night. Honestly, it's 2 a.m. <laughs> um, where I'm, I'm at home and there is no noise. And I just think of the Doctrine and Covenants talking about and saying, be still and know that I am God. Having that quiet time, even in my home, which I, I see as uh, a form of a temple for me, right? Just as a mountain was uh, a form of a temple for Jesus and we're told that our homes are holy places and I, I, I try to have that. But this is, I, I think of that in terms of this is the time when I commune with God and he does that. And sometimes he will push me to the fourth watch, <laughs> 2 a.m. before I get any inspiration <laughs> about what I'm doing the next day. But when it happens, it is so powerful. It is so real. And I feel that connection with him just as yeah. you do in your experience. And it's hard to put it in words, isn't it? Right? It is. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. If, if Patrick Mason was here, he would turn and say, all right, Ben, it's your turn. <laughs> and so okay. to, to, to prevent the receiving the wrath of my good friend, Patrick, um, for me, it's I, just because you said nature, it's, it's nature. Yeah. Yeah, I love to, to, to go out and run on the trails. And it's the same thing. You know, you just feel like you can just get away and, um, and just go out and just feel God's goodness um, when you're out there. And it does recharge you. It recharges you. And, and you know, if we go back to scriptures, he's about to do something very, very significant here. You know, this is a very powerful lesson that he is about to teach. He's going to perform miracles. He's going to walk on water, you know, and he's going to help Peter 
do the same thing, to draw from, from that strength. And I love the faith that Peter says, uh, if it be, um, Lord, if, if, it's, if this is really you in verse 28, bid me come unto thee on the water. Like if, if this is you, I want, I want to come out there and, and I want to follow you and, and in your footsteps and do what you do. And so whatever it is we're doing, we need that. Um, it, it's helpful to have that, that just resurgence of the spirit to, to go about and, and do good, which is ultimately what the Savior is preparing his apostles to do. In the previous discussions, we were talking about how as there are a lot of different ways, you know, you use uh, your gifts and your talents, gay, you use your gifts and talents to to share the gospel. And uh, Elder Uchtdorf uh, has a wonderful quote talking about uh, what that really looks like. And I'd love to get some of your thoughts. He said, what I'm asking is that you always look for opportunities to bring up your faith in natural and normal ways with people. I'm asking that you stand as witnesses of the power of the gospel at all times, and when necessary, use words. What do you think, Devin? What are some of your thoughts on, you know, being in that yeah. world about sharing the gospel in just normal ways? Yeah, I mean, for me, that quote means several different things, but the first thing is just like, live the gospel, and then when the opportunity arises, and you'll know when the opportunity arises if you're living the gospel, yeah. I feel. Yeah, and that's when you have an opportunity to share what you know, and who knows what they're going to do. Right. I I went to Nepal, and um, you have what's called like a local that helps take you around the locations, and like day six into it, they were like, "Have you heard of the the TV show Meet the Mormons?" <laughs> and I or the show, and I was like, "Yeah, <laughs> we 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 don't know them personally, but we know they'll show and everything." And there's like, "You guys act like Mormons." And they said, we filmed a video for them. We took them around Nepal because I guess they did a whole section in Nepal. Yeah. And they could tell just because we were being happy. And it was just cool seeing people that came two, three years ahead of us planted that seed. And here we are now. Three, And we didn't, we didn't have like a Book of Mormon or a Pass Along card. But we were able to have several like gospel conversations just by living the gospel. It, it, it's, it's, it's amazing. Just the gospel's real. Live it. And you'll have those opportunities to share it. I love that. Thank you for sharing of your story, your experiences. You know, we've talked about overcoming our fears, you know, and and using the gifts and the talents that God has given us to do good. And both of you are just great examples of that very thing. So thank you so much for giving of your time to be here with us today. And thank you for joining us at home for this discussion from Matthew 14, Mark 6, and John 5 and 6. I encourage you to record and act upon any impressions you've received. For additional study and teaching resources, visit byutv.org slash comefollowup. Next week, join us for our Easter discussion, where we will discuss Christ's miraculous resurrection and more. Thanks for watching. Come Follow Up is a production of BYU Broadcasting.